show is brought to you by Gilbert H. Wild and Son, Sun Patience, Arkansas Parks and Tourism, Ralston Family Farms, First Community Bank, and Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. From Moss Mountain Farm in Arkansas, this is the P. Allen Smith Garden Home Podcast that teaches how to grow, cook, decorate, entertain, and sustain in a manner that embraces our collective past and hope for the future. For more information, log on to pallensmith.com. And for a video replay of this podcast, subscribe to P. Allen Smith's YouTube channel and sign up for notifications. Now here's P. Allen Smith. Well, it's officially summer, and that means longer days and lots of heat particularly if you live where I live. So if you're trying to beat the heat and find flowers for your garden that are gonna give you that flower power through those dog days of summer, well, we're gonna talk about that today. Now, I just pulled this particular beauty out of the flower can. I cut these this morning so I could show you. This is a hyssop. Um, and hyssop is a wonderful perennial, meaning it's gonna come back year after year. and I wish you could just smell the leaves. If you like licorice, uh, this has a very anise-like aroma to it. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, plant that's going to return in your garden year after year. And what I like about it is it has these really tall, spiky flowers. But more than that, this plant will bloom for the longest time. It's one of the longest blooming perennials that we grow in our gardens at Moss Mountain Farm. And for many of you who have visited us at the farm, you've seen some of these perennials growing. Uh, many of them come from Gilbert H. Wild and Sons, uh, who've been in business since 1885. And we really try to find the best possible plants uh, for the garden. And this one I would rank really right at the top. This is Hyssop um, Blue Fortune. And what, what, that's the cultivar name. And um, what there and there are a lot of hyssops out there, by the way. Um, the botanical name is Agastache. This is a really tremendous family of plants that you'll want to consider. Um, what, one of the things that I think is worth noting is that this is a very good cut flower. So if you're you're wanting to uh, do flower arranging or have some things that you can just bring into the house, and you like this tall, spiky form, which which I do, I think it adds a lot of contrast both in the flower garden and in the, in the vase, as it were. Uh, this, this plant is um, very tough and it holds up well. And I would recommend that you cut, cut them early in the morning. That's what I did here. And you can see there, the spikes are holding up very, very well. The other thing that's good about this plant, and you know I'm crazy about pollinators and creating habitat for pollinators, this is one of the best plants you can have in the garden for feeding those bees, uh, taking care of the butterflies and attracting them to your garden. Um, and as I said, this plant is very loyal. It's going to come back year after year. Probably the thing that is going to get your attention more than any one thing is that it is, guess what, deer resistant. Um, and so that's what's really fantastic about about this in the garden is that the deer just walk on by. Um, it has this um, licorice aroma uh, that I that I mentioned, anise-like aroma, and I think it's the essential oils in this leaf that it, that are really a turnoff to the deer. Now it's not to say that uh, if the deer were very extremely hungry they wouldn't eat them, 
but we've had no problems whatsoever with deer eating this um, beautiful uh, hyssop or agastache. So there you have it. One of the great uh, perennial flower power plants that you should consider growing in your garden. Now let's talk about another one, um, a native, the purple coneflower. These are just absolutely exquisite blooms. I'm going to pull them out of this container and um, talk about this variety. This is one called Magnus, uh, but look at these gorgeous blooms. Aren't they fantastic? The coneflower, or echinacea, is a North American native wildflower. Grows in a wide range of zones in the country, and um, it's a great perennial. So like the hyssop, it's going to come back year after year. And as you can see, um, when I had them in the container, they play very well with each other. You get this uh, contrast of bloom shape, which I think adds a lot of visual interest in the garden. So from a design point, these two plants together are very good. Uh, the other thing about the, the echinacea is it's great for pollinators. So um, if you're trying to attract those beautiful butterflies and uh, do your part to support the planet, think about some of these uh, purple coneflowers. Um, they will grow, uh, both of these plants, by the way, require full sun. Uh, you could probably go half day sun and they would do fine. Um, you want to make sure that the soil is uh, drains well. Neither one of them like wet, soggy ground. So that's important to remember here if you want them coming back year after year and being, very, being happy. Um, the other thing about echinacea or purple coneflower uh, that I want you to know about is that it it too is deer resistant. So again, for those of you who are having trouble with deer, uh, the purple coneflower may be a perennial that you'll want to add to your garden. Now this plant, because of all the hybridization that's gone on, uh, comes in really a myriad of colors these days. Um, and uh, one of the first ones that came out that was uh, really a departure from the idea of a purple coneflower, this really looks more like a pink coneflower, or the white ones, one called white swan was popular for years. Um, both of these plants, by the way, are very good uh, planted with daylilies. So if you can imagine uh, that, that beautiful daylily bloom, um, again, another contrasting flower shape with these, they make a beautiful triad in the garden, the hyssop, uh, the purple coneflower, and the daylily. So uh, those are, all three are perennial. Sadly, the daylily is not deer resistant. Uh, deer love to eat them. And, um, and I do too. The petals are delicious. And those flower buds just before they open are great. Um, uh, battered in tempura and deep fried are very good. So think about adding a few daylilies along there with them. So if you're really getting into this, there are a few more perennials that you might want to jot down and, and consider. Um, another one that I love that blooms earlier than these uh, is one called Speedwell or Veronica. Um, very good plant. After it finishes flowering, I will go in and I will cut uh, the blooms off and um, they will bloom again. So think about that. Uh, we grow pink and purple, lots of different colors of Veronica at the farm. Another one is, of course, the Black-Eyed Susan. It's a, another native uh, wildflower, and it just spells summer as far as I'm concerned. 
That's another great perennial that you can really depend on coming back year after year. The shape of the bloom, of course, is very similar to that of the purple coneflower we see here. Um, and then another perennial that you may want to add, which is a completely different flower form, is yarrow. Um, yarrow has um, an um, um, umbrella-like structure to its bloom, um, and it's very reliable in terms of coming back year after year. Um, I've had yarrow come back in the garden for five and six years. Um, it's really, really a fantastic plant. And then there is one of my all-time favorites because of its just durability is the Russian sage. Um, you've probably seen it. It has an amazing sort of aroma. It is a completely deer-resistant plant. And talk about flower power through the hottest days of summer. If you plant this plant, make sure that it gets good drainage. It does not like wet feet at all. It will actually thrive in poorer soils. So that's something to keep in mind. And what I have found is that once it comes up and blooms and the flowers are, are spent, uh, cut it in half, uh, down to half its size, and it will flush again. And we do this at Moss Mountain Farm. We'll cut it in late July. And by October, it is reblooming with the same amount of flower power as it did the first time around, which is really kind of unheard of in the flower world. We do give it a little organic fertilizer after that first round of bloom because, hey, it takes a lot of energy to put out those gorgeous flowers. And uh, I know I sound like a broken record, but it is very good for pollinators. So that's another one to add to that list. So there's a, there's a wide range of really wonderful uh, summer flowers for you to consider, all perennial. Now let's talk about some annuals and maybe some annuals that you could grow and cut as cut flowers. Who doesn't love sunflowers, okay? They come in so many different colors these days. If you go online and you start looking at the varieties of sunflowers, some of them are really dark mahogany, others are almost white, some are lemon yellow, um, but some of those don't really hold up that well in the vase. And one of my favorites um, is a variety called Vincent. Now, Vincent comes in two forms. It can be Vincent's Choice and Vincent Clear. And that just has to do with the center part of the flower. One is yellow and one is dark, okay? So Vincent Clear is yellow and Vincent, Vincent's Choice is dark. Named after, of course, Vincent Van Gogh and that amazing uh, series of sunflower paintings that, that he did. So these last a long time. This is the point I want to make. If you're going to, if you like that summer um, color, that summer uh, scale of bloom, um, you're only going to get sunflowers in the hottest time of year. Uh, you, you also want there to be longevity in the bloom. And what I've found is, uh, bar none, the Vincent series lasts the longest as a cut flower, up to 10 days in the vase. That's if you keep the water clean. Every other day you need to dump the water out and uh, recut the stems a little bit, put them back in fresh water. And a little bit of uh, floral food uh, also helps them last longer and of course keep them away from direct sun. Now, as I put these cut flowers back in, into, the, into this can, um, I just want to talk a moment about another great one. Um, I think that 
it's been belied as maybe just too common, but it's one that I absolutely adore. And that's the old fashioned Zinnia. I think Zinnias are incredibly beautiful and uh, they can be long lasting in the vase. But Zinnias will take the heat and you can grow them directly from seed in the soil. And they come in, as you probably well know, so many different colors and flower shapes. You can get the single petal ones that look a lot like the purple cone flowers. And then there are those doubles, which are absolutely amazing. We've grown all colors, the whites, some of the greens, the apricots, the deep dark red zinnias. Uh, but they're very, very good. Now, you can't, in our part of the world, plant early in summer, have zinnias blooming as early as late May, and expect those to be blooming in November. But what you can do is you can do a second sowing of zinnia seed, and that's what we do. Sometimes we will, we will sow them three times, um, about a month apart, and then you have that fresh cut flower all the way through the season. And the pollinators, they love the zinnias. So there's a, another flower power plant to add to the garden that can really take the heat. It's an annual, of course, you have to sow those seed every year. I like to collect the seed, dry them, and then replant them the next year. Wonderful plant. Now, as we move along, annuals, um, staying on that theme, not a cut flower, but a great garden flower are the sun patients. And as you can see, I've got some of them up here. These are really attention getting. There's nothing like the color orange to arrest your attention. Now, the beauty of sun patients is they come in so many different colors from white all the way through the palest, softest pink uh, to screaming lipstick pink, magenta, whatever you want to call it to purple into the um, reds and and uh, like a fire truck red and in, and into these gorgeous sort of orange and salmon tones so they're a they're a really great plant for that flower power during those hot hot days of summer now some things you need to know about using them i like to plant them uh in moss where the, you've got a, a solid bank of them but they also do terribly well in containers and so we spot them throughout the farm in containers i love using them up on the front porch uh the, i even try to match the color of the of the sun patient with the the chairs that we have on the porch at moss mountain farm and it's a the, the color is so cheerful that's what i i love about them and these things just continue to expand and they seem to be completely resilient to whatever heat gets thrown at them through the day. If you find that they, they wilt a little bit, um, just watering them, uh, they will stand up like that. Um, just you want to make sure that the soil stays um, consistently moist. Uh, we find that sometimes at the end of the day, when they're in full hot sun on those hottest August days, um, we can we can see a little bit of, of drooping or, or wilting, 
but watering them the next morning, they're right back where they were and you don't lose any blooms. They don't, it doesn't seem to slow their vigor down, which happens so often, as you may know, with plants, once they wilt, it takes them a while to recover. The recovery period on these sun patients is really very, very short. The other thing to keep in mind with sun patients is that you don't want to fertilize them too much. I know that seems really odd with this kind of flower power that you're going to see in them. These are all very young plants, uh, but uh, this pl these plants are only um, about two weeks younger than the plants that you see over here in the pot. So you can see how quickly they will they will grow and they will three plants like this will fill out a 24 inch terracotta pot beautifully. So you can you can place these out on the hottest part of your patio or your deck or or a balcony and just watch them expand but you want to make sure that they get full sun now let's go back to feeding them again um, you may want to feed them once or twice during the growing season with a dilute all-purpose um, organic fertilizer and that's really about it and just make sure the soil stays stays moist if you do get some wilt water them and then watch them spring back magically. Yes, you need to give these a try. You're going to you're going to love them. Now, another annual to consider in the heat is the lantana. Now, for our friends that live in the deep south, those are basically perennials, but for those of us in zone 8 uh, north, I mean, you know, maybe sometimes the perennial these will come back, but typically they don't. I don't count on them. I plant them every year and I love them because the pollinators are crazy for them and they just keep on blooming. But that's a plant that you're going to want to fertilize if you continue to get, if you want to continue to get blooms on them. Let's talk about two shrubs uh, that I think are really powerful when it comes to blooming in the heat. Uh, one of them is the old fashioned Althea or Rose of Sharon. I know that's an old fashioned plant. I know I'm probably going to get comments about it. Uh, but I love it. It's like the zinnia. You know, people, you know, don't have great things to say about Althea. Oh, I don't want that. That's too old-fashioned. You ought to see some of these new ones, like uh, pink chiffon and blue chiffon. Big double flowers. Love the heat. Ours bloom right up until the first days of September. The other is butterfly bush. As the name implies, the budlia attracts the butterflies. One of the best shrubs you can grow. Grows all the way up. Uh, north, you can cut them back to the ground at the end of the growing season in the winter and they'll spring up and they bloom on, on that uh, new growth and beautiful, beautiful sprays of flowers that uh, are just covered in, in butterflies. Now, I don't want to keep going on about plants. That's my problem. I get excited about them. I can't stop. I've got a few questions over here from you. Uh, we've got Kelly from Zone 7. Uh, her name's Kelly Sinnott, and Kelly says, I have a path around the east side of my house, which gets a lot of hot sun. What steppable plant could hold up in the heat and light foot traffic in Zone 7? My Zone 7 garden, thanks. One that comes to mind right off the top, Kelly, is one called uh, Creeping Genia or Lismachia. Um, it hugs the ground, a very vigorous grower, I absolutely love it. It's very chartreuse in color. So why don't you give that one a try? Uh, here's one from Eastern North Carolina. What would you recommend to plant around a septic tank that will not disturb the tank itself 
or any of the leech lines. I live in eastern North Carolina in an area that has full sun. Thank you. Any, put, any input is appreciated. You know, any of the shallow rooted plants that we've talked about today, any of these perennials would be fine and not interrupt your um, septic field. Um, so the hyssop, for instance, the coneflowers would be fine. I would even go so far to say that maybe the butterfly bush, even though it makes a, a big shrub, I don't think that would probably cause you any problems. I know that these perennials that we went through would be, be ideal for you in, in North Carolina. And then Barbara Hawkins from Southern California, she says, what are the best plants, flowers, and veggies uh, in my area of Southern California, zone 10 and 10A. Well, um, they definitely need to take the heat, Barbara, as you, as you well know. Um, among, the, among the flowering plants, um, I would stick with lantana. Uh, you can do well with ice plant, your part of the world. Uh, also, agapanthus does extremely well as a, as a perennial in your part of the world. The butterfly bush would do fine. Barbara, when it comes to um, vegetables, uh, you know, tomatoes will not set fruit once the temperatures get, you know, in the 90s. So what I would recommend for Southern California gardeners is to think about that fall vegetable garden. Um, you can grow winter greens like nobody's business. So um, I'm very envious of what you can grow during the winter months in, in Southern California arugula, all the kales, cabbages, those sorts of things do fantastically there. Uh, last question here from Mary in Northern Florida. My Althea, or Rose of Sharon, we talked about that, does wonderfully, but I'm thinking of moving it uh, since it's 12 years old and no longer in a fully sunny spot. Any advice? Yes, Mary, I would move that Rose of Sharon in l late winter, um, Whenever the temperatures are the lowest, you want the plant to be as um, dormant as possible, and you want to get as much of a, a much of a root system as you can to dig around it. What I like to do is measure six inches up on the trunk, uh, and then look at the diameter, and then uh, multiply those inches. So let's say it's at six inches up, it's three inches across you'd multiply that by 10 inches and you'd want a 30 inch root ball and move it to a sunnier location. You're very right about the Altheas uh, needing full sun. They will perform much better when they have full sun. Well, I hope that some of these uh, ideas for plants for the summer garden are helpful to you. Uh, there's nothing like having this kind of beauty around you through the year, but the summer's our sweet spot for having these gorgeous blooms. But sometimes can get so hot it's even tough on the flowers. But the ones that I've mentioned, you're going to find are going to do extremely well for you. Thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel. And if you want notifications, just ring the little bell and keep those questions coming. Look forward to next time. Today's show is brought to you by Gilbert H. Wild and Son, Sun Patience, Arkansas Parks and Tourism, Ralston Family Farms, First Community Bank, and Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. For more information, log on to pallensmith.com. And for a video replay of this podcast, subscribe to P. Allen Smith's YouTube channel and sign up for notifications.